Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Why the heck is everything so expensive right now? Filling up the cars become an activity we need to be resuscitated after. There's shock as the checkout person rings up our groceries. And when the insurance bill comes in, forget it. Today, we look at why the cost of living has suddenly decided to skyrocket, whether there's anything we can do about it or if we just have to suck it up for now. I'm feeling nervous. I've been a stay-at-home mum for five years and it's difficult for me to return to work, though, until the kids are at school as my husband works really random hours. I'm definitely feeling a gap between my friends that have so much money and all going away on holidays, lunches, dinners and my friends that are just making ends meet. My husband and I have started to budget for food and won't be going on any holidays for quite some time. I read coffee will be $7 a cup by the end of the year. Oh my God. That's a comment from someone who reached out to us after we put a call out for how people are handling the sudden price increases we're seeing pretty much everywhere in our day-to-day lives right now. And she's right. There have been reports that the cost of a cup of coffee could hit that $7 a cup mark. David Parnham, president of the Cafe Owners and Baristas Association of Australia, saying what's happening globally, the shortages from catastrophes that are happening in places like Brazil with frosts and certain growing conditions in some of the coffee-producing areas, on top of the cost of shipping at nearly five times the container price of two years ago, coffee is just one of the things that's getting increasingly more expensive at the moment. The silver lining to that is it may encourage Australian cafes to start sourcing more locally grown coffee. We have just come out of two years of pandemic to be hit with more natural disasters, international incidents and a continuing housing crisis, which has only been made worse with the loss of homes in the recent floods. Because of that, people are having to shell out a larger portion of their income to go towards a rental property or to buy a house. But what everyone is talking about right now is the price of petrol. I had to drive from Newcastle to Western Sydney on the weekend for a family thing and it cost me $145 in fuel and tolls. I'm not doing that again anytime soon. My husband drives 1,500 kilometres a week and I run a mobile business, so we're going to have to start thinking of ways to reduce costs elsewhere if petrol prices rise further. I work an hour away from our home, so I drive 800 k's a week. It's costing $140 to fill my car, but I've got no choice. I had a windfall last year and used it to trade my hybrid car for a Kona Electric. My daily commute is 120 to 160 kilometers between two autism services and home. My husband was dubious about the EV, but even with the increase in the cost of electricity, it's saving me about 50 euro a week. I do have empathy for the commuters, 
but it's hard not to feel smug when you're passing the forecourts or the major servos who are price gouging. Deputy Prime Minister and leader of the Nationals, Barnaby Joyce, told Sky News, there's one person we can blame for petrol prices. For Mr Putin to get the hell out of the Ukraine would be a great start. I mean, this is the source of so many of our problems. 30% of the world's wheat comes from the Ukraine and barley comes from the Ukraine and uh, the west of Russia. Of course, that filters through to all your food prices, right through to cattle, because they're grain-fed cattle, bread, the whole lot. Peter Martin is the business and economy editor for The Conversation Australia, a visiting fellow at Australian National University's Crawford School of Public Policy and presenter of the ABC Radio National program The Economists. A former Commonwealth Treasury official, he's also worked as economics correspondent for the ABC and as economics editor of The Age. Peter, we're all looking at the price at the Bowser right now and are a bit scared to fill up the tank. Were we expecting this kind of price rise at this point in the year? What's going on there? We certainly were not. Indeed, we published an article in The Conversation about three or four weeks ago saying that there was a chance the price would climb to $2.10 if everything worked out badly. Well, uh, that's out of date now. You're paying $2.18, you might be paying $2.20 for uh, unleaded fuel in the capital city. The worst place in Australia, Arnhem Land, you're paying uh, $3 per litre. This wasn't expected in cities. You just need to go back five weeks to before the invasion of Ukraine. The price was $1.70. Now, Australian uh, tax, the fuel uh, excise is about 43 cents. That's taking all things into consideration. That means the increase in five weeks is greater than all of the tax we impose on petrol, and, and we, which sort of makes interesting these ideas that we should cut the tax or remove the tax or have a tax holiday. If we did, prices would still be almost unprecedentedly high. There are other countries who have done that, though, hasn't there? They've removed their fuel excise, even for short periods of time. I understand New Zealand did it or is doing it at the moment. Is that something that's being considered here in Australia? Certainly is. The Prime Minister has suggested that. Uh, The budget is on uh, Tuesday the 29th. Anything will be announced then or or the way these things go, it'll be uh, leaked in the lead-up to the budget It is a genuine problem. People are hurting big time. So the cost of filling up a standard car, let's not look at your SUVs, which are now the the biggest selling new car, Uh, the cost of filling up a Toyota Corolla, you know, 45 litre, has jumped from the start of the year. It would have cost you $80. Now it costs you $109. Now that's an increase of about a third an enormous increase, so big that uh, if you had a mortgage and the Reserve Bank lifted its cash rate by uh, 0.25%, what it usually does, and you filled up every fortnight, as most people seem to do, it's actually a bigger impact on your budget than those extra repayments. The question is whether uh, Scott Morrison follows New Zealand. New Zealand has cut its excise. Its excise is much bigger than ours. It's uh, cut its excise by 25 cents per litre. Bear in mind, its excise used to be um, 77 cents per litre, which is 72 cents Australian. So it's cutting that 
But our excise is only 43 cents. So uh, even after that cut, it's a three-month cut, figuring that perhaps things will have calmed down in, in three months. We don't have that far to cut. Our excise is of the large developed countries uh, surveyed by the OECD, our fuel tax is the third lowest. As the price rises, it's becoming less and less significant. It's only about a fifth of the price now. We could cut it. I don't think we should. Rich people, high earners, spend more on petrol, that is the proportion of their income, than low earners, presumably because they have more petrol-guzzling cars and drive them more. We're being warned that petrol isn't the only thing that's going to be jumping in price soon. We're also being told groceries, everything in the supermarket basically is going to be jumping up again. Barnaby Joyce has just recently said, if you want to ease the cost of living in Australia, just tell Vladimir Putin to get out of Ukraine. Is it that simple? If we stop that conflict, will our cost of living decrease? I'd say so. Russia and Ukraine between them account for one quarter of the world's wheat exports. Wheat is used as 20% of human nutrition. Wheat is incredibly important. It's becoming scarce, not so much because of Russia, although some countries aren't taking it from Russia, but because of Ukraine. Uh, They've had a reasonable crop. They can't get it out. The planting season will be in the middle of the year, so it might be all right then, but the planting season for barley is about the start. And the petrol price feeds through into grocery prices, the the petrol and diesel price, because in in the production chain, they need to move things around and they need to move them to supermarkets. SPC, they make baked beans and canned spaghetti. They're telling supermarkets they want a 10 to 20% increase in price. Now, all of this would calm down and probably go away if it wasn't for what's happening in Ukraine. Our question is how we deal with that. So the Reserve Bank faces this question. Normally, when there's inflation, it jacks up interest rates so that uh, people spend less and there's less inflationary pressure. When the inflationary pressure is coming from outside, there's nothing we're doing that's contributing to it, maybe that's not a good idea. And this is really the debate. You might even see, if the Reserve Bank thought it needed to check up interest rates, the government would uh, hand out money in the budget and the Reserve Bank would take it away with interest rates. There is a, a respectable argument that in this sort of circumstance, the Reserve Bank shouldn't jack up rates. That is to say, on top of the, the whack from petrol prices, also put a, a whack on mortgage rates. I'd probably subscribe to that argument. If, however, inflation became self-sustaining, that is to say it fed into wage increases, it's not here, it is in the US, in the US wages are up 9%, here they're up 2.3% over the year. But if it fed into wage increases and then that sort of fed into prices which fed into wages and it fed on itself, there would be a case for action to rein it in. I think more probably, more likely, it's the kind of thing we just need to uh, move through, tighten our belts, unless the government you know, supports us in some ways. It's going to hit low-income earners. Although I, I said high-income earners spend more on petrol, that's true in dollar terms, absolute terms. But uh, in terms of the budget, 
for a low-income earner, someone in the bottom 40%, petrol makes up more than 3% of all of the spending they do. For high-income earners, it's 1.7%. High earners spend more on alcohol than petrol. Low earners spend more on petrol than alcohol. So high earners don't need the support if, for instance, the tax on petrol was cut, some sort of petrol subsidy in the budget, high earners who are merely inconvenienced, really, by petrol prices, most of them, I don't want to disparage them, but most of them probably don't even shop around, they would benefit from this more than low earners, whereas the pain is the other way around. I think what the government should do is something which involves some sort of cash handout. I think it will do something, and I think that's the least damaging thing, that money can be used by people. A lot of people can't escape, particularly people who live to the western suburbs of Sydney or have to drive long distances. They're not well served by trains. They would spend the cash handout on petrol, that extra $30 filling up the tank. That's what they'd use it for. Whereas if they were able to, and the whole idea of high prices for anything is that people switch from one good to another, you know, when the price of oranges is high, you, you switch to apples and so on. The people who could switch, and it's easier now to work an extra day at home, the people who could switch or who could, uh, when they next buy a car, buy one that is smaller or even a hybrid or a second-hand hybrid, you know, heaven forbid, an electric car, the people who could switch would, and they might use the money to help them switch. Uh, the people who are forced to buy petrol would use it for that but it wouldn't be tied to spending on petrol. I really don't think we need to give support which is linked to how much you spend on petrol. But it's very much an open question what the government will do. There's only, as I said, days for the budget, and all of this has happened you know, just now. They have not made up their mind, and they're still working it out. Peter, is everything going to be going up? And then the other thing that we normally look at in these times is, say, our electricity bills. Are we expecting our utilities to climb too? At the moment, electricity moves in cycles. At the moment, it's in a, a bit of a down cycle. So uh, we don't expect that. If you want to look at the future of electricity prices, look at South Australia. I say that because it's more advanced on the uh, transition away from coal. And uh, its prices, when it was building all of those wind farms, its prices were nearly the highest in Australia. I'm talking wholesale prices here. They're now, depending you know, on you know, what year you look at it or what quarter you look at it, South Australian wholesale prices are about the lowest in the country now because it costs a lot to build the wind farms. It costs very, 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 very little to run them. So electricity moves in cycles. There'll be more cycles until we get to the stage where we're completely renewable. But that's not contributing to things at the moment. We don't have petrol-fired power stations. So now we wait to see what help will be given when the federal budget is handed down at the end of the month. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg promising there'll be some relief for families to tackle the increasing cost of living. But until then, or until things start to stabilise overseas, Peter says... We're just going to have to grin and bear it. Our living standard has genuinely been cut. There's nothing we can do about that. We can transfer money from the government to us. The government can create money or it can borrow money to try and ease this. But the fact is there is a shortage of petrol and there is about to be a shortage of wheat and barley 
and corn, and also sunflower oil. The Ukraine is an enormous producer of sunflower oil. These are genuine things. We have a hit to our standard of living, and there's nothing much we can do about that. Now, in time, assume that the Ukraine's capacity is, is locked out for, for years. In time, other countries will produce more wheat. Australia will. Australia has just had a bumper crop, to the extent that we can with climate change, devote more of our land to wheat. Argentina makes wheat too. In time, that will happen. But for now, we need to be prepared to spend more uh, when we shop or to buy fewer things. Now, our saving, not everyone's saving, but in aggregate, Australians have been saving an awful lot in the pandemic, partly because of income support we had then and partly because we haven't been able to spend it on many of the things we usually spend it on, including overseas trips. So our saving rate, household saving ratio, used to be around 5%, about 15% at the moment. So in aggregate, Australians have the ability to cope with this, but that doesn't mean that every Australian household does. There are many Australian households, particularly those who can't avoid driving, and who, you know, like most of us, can't avoid using things made from wheat, are going to genuinely find this difficult. That's a reality. We can try and help them out, but forces outside Australia have done this to us. And, uh, you know, I think the official economics term for this is uh, suck it up. It's a reality. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Jacob Round. Need something fresh to add to your podcast rotation? Check out What Are You Wearing? A podcast about fashion and feeling good. Recently, co-host Denny gave us an insight into the luxurious world of haute couture. You have your own mannequin at the house of Chanel with your name on it. If your size changes at any point, that mannequin will be updated to reflect any changes wow, in your size. That is insane. Right? You have like a, a, a human uh, who works in the atelier who literally is the only human that will touch your clothes. And like often they might sign the inside of your clothes. Amazing bags are famously signed by the craftsman who's making them in the factory like and he will only make your bags going forward for like the rest of your time at Hermes as a client so it's pretty high level shit man find what are you wearing in your favorite podcast app now Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on the Gadigal people of the Eora nation We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.